Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by our Editor-at-Large, Anne Thompson in Los Angeles. And Anne, just when we think we've put a topic to bed, an actual movie opens we've been talking about for months. That would be Birth of a Nation, which we first talked about way back in January when it was a big hit out of Sundance, got acquired for lots and lots of money by Fox Searchlight. Then way later in the summer became tarnished by the uh, rape scandal associated with Nate Parker's past, and now it's finally coming out in theaters. So we don't think this movie is an awards player, but it needs to make a lot of money anyway just to justify that acquisition. And you just had an opportunity to actually show the movie to some students. So that probably gives you a perspective, I would assume, on, on a different way of seeing this movie without that year-long kind of build-up. How did that go? Well, what, 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 what I was curious about was because I had seen it at Sundance and I'd you know, witnessed the, the rousing double standing ovation. And I, of course, participated in myself with, with you know, genuine enthusiasm. Um, and it was almost like I was, I was reading all this coverage all this time and going, you know, did I see the wrong movie? You know, is it still the same movie that I saw? So I booked it for uh, the sneak previews. Um, at at, at uh, which we show every week uh, during the fall season, uh, it's a it's grown ups. I mean, they're not technically students. It's UCLA Extension, and uh, and it's your typical sort of um, West Side, well heeled, intelligent cinephiles. You know, they but they they're not industry people. They're not industry people now, um, and they're you know they like movies, and uh, they're they would be your typical art house audience, really mainstream though. Did you sit through the movie with them? I did, for that very so reason. I wanted to see how it played, okay. and I was watching it like a hawk. I was looking at it very, very carefully, and I was. And I will, I will direct you to several things. I mean, I, I, I'm work, I, I filed an interview, which will run later, with the producers who I interviewed afterwards, and um, I also uh, talked to... Um, uh, there's also a story that Bill Desowitz wrote, which I just put up, which is um, about the editing of the movie, which is sort of interesting. Um, and what I was very struck by was how very carefully the movie, uh, it's very beautiful, it's very uh, straightforward. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles because it's a, an $8.5 million movie that was shot in 27 days. There's only so much they could do. In fact, the editing story explains how they added some take, you know, insert shots after they were purchased by, after the movie was purchased by Searchlight. Um, things, you know, beautiful vistas of cornfields and, I mean, uh, uh, cotton fields and stuff like that. Um, but, but, the, but the idea is that the movie plays. It plays. It just does. It's a good movie. Well, let's say, I mean, what do you mean when you say it plays? You mean in terms of the reaction that people gave it's it? It's a gripping narrative account. It is, it, you, you, you watch this character. He's an empathetic character, Nate, Nat Turner. You know, he, 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 he falls in love. He marries. He loves his wife. He's an educated slave he 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 lives in a relatively speaking very relatively speaking because he does get whipped at a certain point um uh you know relatively well cared for uh slave plantation um compared to the ones that he sees when he goes around as a preacher trying to uh 
make extra money for his for his uh, beleaguered uh, owner, played by by Army Hammer. And actually, Army Hammer's really good. I, I liked him. I, he, I have to tell you, I, so I haven't had the opportunity to see the movie again since Sundance, and as a result. I'm struggling to remember what it was like to be in the story of this movie. Certain moments stick with me. There's a beautiful shot after uh, he gets married with the couple facing each other and the candle in between them yes, that I thought was, was, was quite striking. Yeah. But I think the problem is that the, those images do not yield a strong enough narrative. And to compare it to something as it inevitably has been compared to, uh, something like 12 years of it slave. It doesn't compare just, to that. This is a first-time filmmaker. I mean, this is well, the very first time he's directed a movie. And for any, I, I swear to you, I mean, first of all, he put eight years into it. He, uh, he put a lot of effort and a lot of people, this is part of what I learned from the producers, helped him get the script to where it needed to be. It was 180 pages long four years in when one of the producers first got on board, uh, Kevin Tur Turin. So, so this is a, 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 he went to the Sundance labs. They helped him to refine it. You know, he got advice from, uh, I found this ironic. He got advice from Bell, from Mel Gibson <laughs> on the movie. Well, that doesn't surprise me in the least because this movie is basically co-opting the language of Braveheart. It, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's edited by Steven Rosenblum who edited Braveheart and it's edited by, uh, he also edited, um, Oh, he, he edited uh, Glory for Ed Zwick. So, so this is a guy who knows exactly, the editor knows exactly what he's doing. And, I mean, you know, this, so you're, this it's it. a, what is it? it? It's a manipulative, straightforward, it, you know, pull you into the characters, show you their motivations, show you why he would ever be driven to the point where he would want to raise a rebellion and, and go off and kill 60 white people. I, I don't, I don't believe it, though. I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't find it... I think it would have stuck with me more if it was more convincing because what it does is it has this abrupt shift into a third act that feels not just straightforward, but kind of cliched. I mean, it's just... It's a very obvious movie when it gets to the point at which he's leading this revolution. It just so happens that the radical act of making this story into the to, to the kind of movie that came out of this whole process, uh, you know, speaks louder than the, the meticulous filmmaking. I feel like for all the time that was put into a screenplay like this, you would have thought it would have been more subtle, maybe a little more surprising. I, it's not a movie that This is a very straightforward um, mainstream, but uh, forgive straightforward the expression, it, movie. That sounds like you're sort of ex excusing the fact that it's just not particularly well done. I, mean, I don't it's just agree sort of with that, Eric, at all. I think it is very well done in the sense that it's effective, that it's a, it's a story that works. It's a story that grips audiences and makes them applaud at the end. I mean, so did you have they applauded at the end. Did, did anyone come? Did Nate Parker? The two, I seem told to... you the producers came. So, so how did they engage with the crowd? What was the... So we were talking was, about how they made the movie, how they financed the movie. It took 18 different equity financers because it's a movie that no studio would make, that it had no foreign financing value of any kind. It was with an unknown actor and director, right? If you think about it, Nate Parker, nobody knows who he is. And, and so they just had to go sort of hat in hand for 
eight years getting people to give them the money to make to make the film and and they did they got sports people they got doctors they got you know dentists you know it was that kind of thing and so and so you end up with um Ben Renzi paying for the movie and eventually Aaron Gilbert and you know Bill Finley people people like anyway so they end up with the with with you know shooting in in Savannah they end up uh uh, going to Sundance, they end up with the bidding war, five studios bidding on the movie, uh, Netflix bidding 20 million, the movie going for right. you Which know, was, 17 I mean, five. that's something that's yeah. it's, it's worth pointing out that was very meticulously crafted too, because they did the rounds at these buyers' offices before the festival. I mean, the seeds were planted in terms of anticipation. I just, they I, had no I, choice. I mean, they had to sell the movie because if it, if it was not, look, Eric, I'm not making claims for this as some high, I mean, here's what I will say. This, the worst thing that happened to this movie was having it be set up at such an early stage as an Oscar front runner, then having this other narrative come along that completely undercut it and made everybody sort of go, who is this guy? Who does he think he is that he deserves, you know, to be in the Oscar race for this first-time movie? What's yeah, so great about this movie? Know, Look, Intimately. I'll tell you something. Metacritic, the reviews are at 70%, but which is the, more than fine. First of all, we cannot ever hold Metacritic up as some sort of barometer for whether or not a movie works. I mean, it just it's just not It has nothing to do enough. with whether a movie works. I'm it's, telling it's you the a, movie works. You're telling me you don't like the movie. That's two different I, I things. Works with an audience it, is works. And, well, I have to tell you, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people who watch movies for a living throughout, throughout the year, and I, I would tell you that uh, for most of the kind of more positive reactions to, to these movies, if you sit to this movie, if you sit down with the people whose reviews are being reflected on an aggregation service like Metacritic, they would have much more uneven reactions to this movie. I have not read a lot of raves, and I haven't heard a lot of people raving that it's a great movie. I think that well, I'm curious there's to see. Let me look at Metacritic. My my feeling here is is more that there is sort the of raves are coming from. The, let, let me just see. I want to see. Well, let me let me tell you while you do your research that there there is a craving for a deficiency in the marketplace. This movie happened to be the first one out of the gate. Now that we have Moonlight, for example, we can talk Which is about a better movie. I'm not even going to have a discussion but, with you about that. Well, but the discussion to be had and is is whether or not Birth of a Nation is actually good enough to justify the kind of hype that's been surrounding this movie, irrespective of that's all that. That's what I'm saying. It got set up. It got set up in a big way. Here we go. 100% Kyle Smith of the New York Post. 90%. Well, Smith, first of all, doesn't identify as a critic. He just winds up in that kind of aggregation. He puts his things or, in on Metacritic, yeah. and Metacritic accepts him as one of their supposedly curated critics otherwise he wouldn't be here there's only like 31 of them but we're not going to hold up any to, to say i'm not going to argue for kyle smith i'm just <laughs> telling you who they are new york magazine bilge bilge ebery who we like new york daily news stephen witty screen international tim grierson washington post let's be clear about what you're looking at here you're looking at a score rather than looking at an individual's review of the way that they... All I'm telling you is that I think that there's just enough 
to allow a movie like this to get overhyped it because says, well, it was overhyped out of Sundance. Right now, we're talking about real reviews. No, I think on it's the still day happening. before yeah. the movie opens. I think I think critics are still being kinder to it because they feel like they. I have don't know to. how you could possibly make that statement. You don't because know I, that. I've talked that you have no these. way of knowing that. You're saying that with great confidence. Who are because you? I've been, who, who have you interviewed? All 31 of the people who gave positive reviews to the birth I, of a I, nation this, in Metacritic. This is not something. This is not something that's quantifiable. No, it's you know, not. Metacritic. I don't see by how you way, can make that statement. Because I've been talking to people all year who have seen this movie, and they and said, I "Well, I think I gave it a kinder review than I would have." Yes. Absolutely. And there were people who told me that they, they hope they never have to review it because there, I mean, there, there's something about a movie like this where it's just good enough to yield, I think, a, a more positive reaction than what most people are actually right. feeling. Positive is 31. Mixed is 11. Negative is zero on this, on this Metacritic thing. Whoever these 30, that's, so what's that total? Who's going to write the That would be 41 reviews altogether. And by the way, I and don't, not I don't one of them is a pan. But who who would write? I, I don't I don't know. This is not a a panable movie in a sense. I mean, it's not bad enough to deserve a pan, but it's also just I think just kind of okay, and that's giving it a different kind of momentum that maybe is is not a, an as accurate a reflection as as it should have out All there. Right, so but Peter Travers gave it a positive <laughs> review. Okay, Justin so Chang, your is... buddy, at, uh, who, who is no longer at Variety, but was when he wrote the review in January. Um, and who else who you respect uh, wrote a good review? <laughs> you wrote a good review, according you, to Your this. essence, your, Back exactly. Back in January, you're, you're, okay. your review is, is graded as 75 on this thing. Okay, so, so let's look at that for a second. Let's look at this. This is actually quite fascinating. I did not put that number into Metacritic. Metacritic assigns arbitrary numbers to reviews on the basis of what they detect from what they see out there. I wrote a piece about Birth of a Nation saying that the story of, around this movie, the cultural moment of this movie, is much more powerful than the movie itself. Whether they you know, did a close reading of, of what I was trying to express there or just saw that headline, they decided it was a 75. Beautifully so, lensed saying, by cinematographer Elliot Davis. Okay, I would give the Birth of a Nation unfolds with the tapestry of a big period drama that today's studios clearly shy away from making. Exactly, because of the Oscar So White narrative. That's a cultural statement, not a critical judgment. While anyway, Steve we McQueen's cannot 12 Years for, a Slave is a more sophisticated, cannot, artful means than reckoning the slavery past. Birth of a Nation plays like a formulaic but undeniably pointed corrective to mainstream exactly. American a cinema. A cultural statement, a cultural statement and not a critical judgment. Anyway, we cannot bore people with this issue it's any longer. It's fascinating, though. Movie, I do. It's, it's you gave it a B. You gave it a B. I gave it a B. I gave it a B because it gets a pass. It's okay. I'm not going to pan a movie like that, but I'm also not going to say that it's uh, I mean, is it a 75? I don't know. I guess a B would be an 81 or something like that. But that's not a rave. I read the it's whole. I just read the whole review quickly, obviously, but I scanned it quickly. <laughs> I'm it, sure somebody at Metacritic did there, the same uh, thing. It, it, yeah. it would be hard. It would be hard to cast that review as negative. I have to say. No, no, because you're missing the essence of my point here. Hopefully, somebody else is getting it. But it's that it's 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 not a movie that I think is 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 worthy of a pan. It's a movie that's just good enough to be perceived as great. 
Okay. And that's the thing that I think is so. Basically, we're 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 on to the fact that it's opening. That we will find out what you know whether they're going to make their money back, whether people like it or not. In fact, in reality, we will find out based on whether yep. they go to, to be buy continued tickets. on that front. Anyway, we do have some other movies to talk about this week because New York Film Festival is ongoing, and we've arrived at the second weekend where the centerpiece screening is is about to happen, and the press got a first look at it. In advance, that's uh, Mike Mills' 20th Century Women. We've been anticipating this movie for a while because uh, Annette Bening is at the center of it and she's getting a lot of hype for her performance. Uh, certainly, it's a strong performance. I thought the movie was solid, a little all over the place. It's not my favorite Mike Mills movie, but it, it's it's definitely got some strong ideas to it. What did you think, Anne? I, I loved this movie, and um, I'm basically working on a story for tomorrow, uh, which... You will, which will be Friday by the time you listen to this, um, about how Annette Bening is actually going to be the best actress to beat. Uh, it's such a here. Here's the thing. I mean, there's so few rich roles for women, although this year there are more than usual, and therefore more. Uh, it's a more competitive field than usual. Um, usually, it's the men that have more candidates than slots. But um, this is a real competitive race, and I think Annette Bening has Mike Mills has just given her her this role that it, that is so rich and complicated, based on his own mother, incredibly nuanced and subtle and funny, and you know someone that you couldn't possibly make up in a way, you know. And she's great. So let's, let's talk about it a little bit. It's actually really interesting because this is a woman who is supposed to have been she's a child of the depression, and she has her kid at a relatively late stage in life when she's 40 or something like that. So the kid grows up in the 70s, sort of at the birth of punk rock. So you have this contrast of this kind of Depression-era woman looking at her son's kind of troubled youth of sorts, and they live in this really interesting household. Santa where, Barbara, which is uh, where Mike Santa Mills Barbara, grew up. Where you have Greta Gerwig as this, this young artsy type who's uh, renting out a room, and then Al Fanning, who's sort of the this childhood friend of of the of, uh, Annette Benning's kid, who wants to have a platonic relationship. So there's it's basically an ensemble piece. And Billy Crudup, who's as good as he's ever been as the sort of uh, roommate who's a a carpenter kind of fixer upper type. Here's what I liked about this movie. I thought that it did, it did a good job of, of threading in a lot of different cultural moments from the era that it's dealing with, specifically feminism and, and different kind of feminist writers. That was without, fun. Without uh, yeah. overstating that. Yeah, so do, he's I, reading up on, on you know, uh, the, the stimulation of the clitoris, which was pretty funny. Yeah, there's some, there's some awkward sex stuff in there that I think is handled pretty well. And Mills is an interesting guy. He's one of those storytellers who can very easily fall into quirky trappings if he's not careful and I think this movie pretty much avoids them you know it's not a word that some reviewers will use I would argue it's it's inevitable I mean there's lots of cutaways to little objects from their lives and stuff which you'll find throughout his films I thought that beginners had a little bit more emotional clarity to it because it was just a more focused movie whereas this one some scenes I found stronger than others is a little bit too much going on. I would agree that Annette Benning is, is very good in it. But I also I thought Greta Gerwig was she actually was in many ways. It's just not as rich though, a role. I yeah, I mean that's the thing. She's she's a much louder performer and I think in some ways she kinda steals the movie even though she's not the center of it. And in some ways 
as a result, I did think it was a little uneven in parts in terms of where this movie was going. But it's not a that's a, to its a, a credit. The, 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 the beauty of a movie like this that comes from a writer like this that comes from some kind of version of of what was once reality for that writer is is just how organic it is, and and that's a great strength. There's no formula. There's no obvious structure. Um, it's storytelling that is truly original, and I, I commend it uh, on every on every level. I for me, it was weird because I think I would probably be sort of the age. I would say uh, very loosely, we could suggest that the Benning character would be more or less the age of my own father, and the Gerwig character would be more or less my age. When I, I was her age during that period, let's put it that way. And, and it, was, it, was, uh, it was fun for me, even though I was in New York, not Santa Barbara. You had very different scenery. Because, because of sense. the music and, and, as you say, the cultural references. And, and, but it was such an odd household, uh, just an odd group of people to be thrown together in that, in that sort of... Also, during that period, a little bit like uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl, it was just acceptable to have all sorts of sexual shenanigans going on um, in a way that it isn't anymore. I, I will say, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that I may sound like a naysayer on this movie because I do think it has a lot going on. I, I had questions about Annette Benning's character. I was trying to get a better sense of who she really was, why she had kids at such a later stage of her life. I know she's, she got divorced at a certain point in time. We get that very early on. There's this voiceover that kind of clues you into certain things. Sometimes it looks into the future, but I, I, I wanted more from the past. I, I didn't totally understand who she was and how she wound up in this very kind of peculiar, progressive household. I think that um, this is one of those movies where the central character is always going to be a mystery to everyone, and I found myself really drawn to her and to her um, incomprehensibility in a way, because she. This is a, not a person who's in psychology uh, 101. You know, she's she's not somebody who know. Part of her um, um, one of her characteristics is that she doesn't uh, open up a lot, really. She's not, she has a great sense of her own privacy. She's coming from another generation where people didn't talk about certain things. And so when the son is reading these books and coming up with these sort of armchair, uh, you know, questions of, of who is she and what is she, how does she feel about being alone, about not having a man, about, about not, um, you know, having a mate, uh, you know, she she doesn't she doesn't even know how to talk about those things, and that's that's that I found that very uh, endearing. It's it, it's there's certainly a lot to dig through there, and, and it's possible that I need to see this movie again before I can really decide what I think about it, which is one of the reasons why I asked someone else in our team to handle the reviewing duties because I, I just I feel like it's it's a it's a rich piece of writing with a lot of different performances and a statement on a certain moment in time that uh, is is almost too subtle to justify just one one viewing though it does make me curious how this movie is going to play i you know it's a a24 has it annapurna produced it there's a lot of smart people behind it and it's going to get a good platform taking off at the new york film festival this weekend 
do you think that uh, Annette Benning has the, the power to cut through what it already looks like a very uh, competitive Best Actress Yeah, role? she'll be going up against, I mean, what's, one of the things that's going on that's sort of interesting is, is how all of these things are timing out. So you have, um, obviously, Birth of a Nation's opening now. You, you know, you've got some movies opening in October and November. And, and later on, La La Land is coming out pretty late. So uh, they're holding back on showing it. They're, not, they're, they're, they're letting it go to a few festivals, but they're not screening it like mad. And, and so you have Emma Stone coming back into the conversation at a certain point, uh, very strongly, I, I suspect. Um, and then Isabelle Huppert making a big splash at the New York Film Festival with her two films, Elle and Things to Come. And uh, I think that that push will be successful to get her uh, a slot. Um, what happens to Meryl Streep as um, Florence Foster Jenkins, which seems to be retreating into the mists of time. And, you well, know, nobody seems to really be super excited about that movie. It's one so. that would ordinarily sort of get an automatic slot because of the way actors feel about Meryl Streep, and she gave a great performance. It's a fantastic performance. It's just not a great movie, although it was a popular one. It did well. So, uh, you know, we'll see. So outside of that, other award stuff going on is uh, mostly things that uh, don't affect the current race and more about how other kinds of things are creeping into the conversation or creeping out of it. Ben Affleck's Live by Night was one that uh, you had flagged as it's getting a new release date, which could mean a, lot, a couple of different things. Well, December 25th, I mean, they, they had slotted it to open in January already, so they're giving it an Oscar qualifying run. I mean, that's what you do with a major movie star and a, and a director like, like Ben Affleck if you're a studio like Warner Brothers, you know. You, you don't sound too enthusiastic that it's going to do much. I for, am a huge fan of his as a director. I think he's a very smart director. I think Argo won Best film. Picture last time around, and I, but it, but I like what he does with Dennis with Dennis Lehane too. So, but it but it does doesn't it make you wonder? I mean, if this movie were really great, why why we haven't been hearing from it sooner? I mean, it could it it be just, just that it wasn't done. It just it, it, it's literally just finished. It's just it's, it's in the editing room. I mean, it, he must it also have had to nice. show them something before they right. could date it. Right. I mean, it, it also makes you wonder if it's, it's sort of a nice way to round out the year for Affleck since he kicked it off with Batman versus Superman. So presumably, even if it's just okay, it'll, it'll make up for that on some level. No, I'm optimistic so about it. I'm, I'm actually optimistic. I, I look forward to it. And I also... Um, I also look forward, uh, so the one that's not going to open is called Marshall, which is the Chadwick Boseman, uh, this is open road, and they were thinking of putting it up, uh, but they decided to keep it open, uh, keep it to 2017 where it was always going to be, uh, which is Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman as Thurgood Marshall. And perhaps one of, as you said, with Birth of a Nation, when it started in January as the only one that was going to fight against Oscar So White, we now have a much longer list of, of, of candidates that can go uh, into that. Uh, right. Moonlight, as expected, played through the roof at New York Film Festival. And, and uh, I have to tell you, I've been watching uh, a movie that, or, or a TV show that I wouldn't necessarily have associated with, with uh, Moonlight, but Luke Cage, which is a new Marvel series, has a really terrific... And, and it keeps building its intrigue around this villain character who's played by uh, 
I don't I don't want to butcher his name because I'm going to have to say it a lot. Mahershala a lot. Ali. Mahershala Ali. The one who's going to get a supporting a, actor that, nomination I, for Moonlight. I keep saying Mahershala. They said it, it's it rhymes with Ursula. That's, so there, there Mahershala. You, that's all you need. That's like when they told us, oh, yellow, oh, think of yellow. That's right, you know? exactly. Get there eventually. Anyway, he's really good in that show. He's kind of the Scarface type. He's good bad in guy. House of Cards. Yeah, I mean, but it's just so, so different from this nuanced figure that he plays in the last third of Moonlight. And I just found that to be really striking. And also, when Moonlight comes out, people will know him from these other things in a way that, you know, I didn't. So it was kind of a unique situation to be discovering the broader talents of this actor after seeing this one really specific kind of thing. But if that's if that's the role that ends up elevating the profile of this movie during award season, it would seem like the right one to uh, to do oh, that. Oh, I could go farther than that, but that that's just the one I'm sort of sure of. You know, I feel it. It's it's my blink moment i say that's what's going to happen <laughs> it's a good place to start yeah. in any case so even though 20th century women is now out of the bag there's still more new york film festival stuff to come next week uh we'll get a chance finally on friday to see ang lee's billy lynn's long halftime walk in the 68th street lincoln uh plaza cinema which is the only place in new york that has the projectors right now that can show the high frame rate for this thing so we'll figure out if it's just a goofy technological gimmick or if there's actually some substance there probably he usually delivers he did yeah, with lots of pie probably it'll be a, at least a decent movie at least a b in my book we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but who knows your students may feel differently about it well the one that uh, the one that got a lot of b's that isn't going to get an oscar campaign behind it judging from the decision to open it wide is bleed for this which uh they showed at telluride and uh and toronto and it doesn't really look like it's they're going to put it out wide so i think boxing movies are just over man enough with the People Couldn't hitting each other, more. you know. Yeah, we're, we live in gentler times where, where Annette Benning is a, a struggling single mother in the 70s and, uh, you know, a young gay black child is sort of hitting the zeitgeist. So I just, <laughs> the masculinity of bleed for this is just so unappealing to us as, as, a, as viewers. I, I mean, can't just, disagree. I it's just so ordinary, who, that's all. It's not like they did a... It's it's sort of like what you were saying about Birth of a Nation. It's not it's not that they did a bad job. It's it's that they didn't make it interesting enough. Right. That sounds like a pan in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got to go to a launch party for Filmstruck, the new streaming for service. Wish for I could Christ be Christ. there. Excited to uh, take a little break from all this award season talk, but we'll regroup next week. See you then.